Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. Uh, today, I'm talking with Owen Williams, founder and managing partner of Outside Lines. They're an independent creative brand and marketing talent and recruitment agency. Uh, so good to have some time with you today. Appreciate you joining me. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you for having me, Steve. Awesome. So let's jump in. Tell me about Outside Lines. Sure. Uh, you know, outside lines, we are, you know, a, as you said, a creative industry talent strategy and recruitment company. You know, outside lines is a company that was born of a decidedly simple notion, you know, one that, you know, has inspired us from the very beginning. And, you know, it's that we operate outside of conventional lines of thought, communication of business. You know, we are a global creative recruitment agency. We are you know, agents of change to our clients, you know, oftentimes we're brought in to consult, advise, and sometimes transform businesses. You know, we have over 20 years of industry experience and we bring, you know, an unparalleled vision and insight to talent searches, to talent strategy, and to structuring needs. Uh, you know, we're seasoned industry experts. You know, we take time to really understand each project each client need and each new team build to ensure that, you know, ultimately our clients are successful through talent. Awesome. Uh, and, and so you came up through the agency ranks in some notable brands yep. uh, or I guess notable agency names. What was that process like and uh, what, what pulled you out of the agency space and saying, I'm going to go do this over here. Sure. I mean, probably starts with how I even ended up in the agency space to begin with, which is, mm -hmm. You know, uh, went to film school, went to entrepreneurial business school, wanting to produce movies. Um, and somehow in that journey found uh, that I found advertising the fact that I could make what I considered at the time short films, which obviously we know as TV commercials and was the <laughs> really short films. Yeah, really, really short, even shorter today from 30 to 60 to 90 to six seconds. But that's a yep. totally different topic of conversation. Um, you know, and ended up working in the Philadelphia region uh, at a number of different agencies. We were dabbling in social and got even flash landing pages and things at the time. And, you know, we, you know, saw opportunities outside of your traditional world. Um, at some point in that conversation, my small regional agency lost our largest client and half of the agency lost their job in that day. And, wow. you know, after sitting in a bar with, you know, 20 of my colleagues going, what just happened to us today, you know, uh, set about trying to find my next gig, you know, uh, and in that I found uh, creative staffing, which was something that was totally foreign to me. I remember, you know, applying to a job thinking that it was an agency, realizing that it wasn't getting an interview, throwing some nice clothes on biking through the city of Philadelphia to downtown to go to this 24th floor of this building, spent two hours there. I'm a producer at this time. 
they're having me take Photoshop and InDesign skills tests, which don't apply really to yep. me, you know? Uh, I sat down at the end of it and, and you know, they kind of gave me the rundown of what would happen next, that they'll call me if there's a job. And, you know, I left there, biked back home. My roommate get, I get gets home from work, cracks a beer and said, you get a job today. And I'm like, no. And I don't actually know what happened. I was there for two hours. Uh, and he was like, really? And I'm like, yes, I don't get it. And so I was like, that was a waste of my time. Well, two days later, um, I get a call from the manager of this office. And they're like, hey, we met you a couple of days ago. You know, the recruiter that met you thought you'd be a really great recruiter. I'd love to talk to you about a job as a recruiter. And I said, listen, ma'am, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't honestly know what you do. You know, uh, I'm left there kind of befuddled by the process of what happened in there. And she said, well, why don't you come in and, you know, shadow us from the for an afternoon and get an idea of what, the, what it's all about and see if it's something you're interested in. So I went in, sat with this person for a couple of hours, kind of like put a headset on, like they had the little thing, like a call center and behind the scenes sort of thing. And then at the end, she pulls me in a room and she's like, so what do you think? And I thought, I get it. You know, a client calls you and they're trying to have you solve a business problem. And that business problem is two things. It is a skill set. So a job description, you know, and a skills match, but also like a personality match to their team and to their agency and the culture in which they built. And the person's face was just blank. Like she just didn't understand what I was talking about. And that was just me spending three or four years in an agency there before. And there's a very competitive streak in me. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, if you're going to offer me a job, I'm going to be so much better at this than you are. Yep. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, they called and said, Hey, would you like a job? And I took it. Um, it was probably the single worst job I've ever had in my life. Not going to name names of where it was, but it was sure. metrics driven and numbers driven yep. and absolutely terrible. And I've like peeled shrimp in a French restaurant as a teenager. And that was worse. <laughs> than <that>. um, <laughs> And, you know, I was there for a couple of years and, you know, I will say probably worst job ever, but it taught me time management skills and certain things that like I still use to this very day. So, you know, yeah. everything teaches you some form of lesson, whether you like it or not. But um, eventually got recruited by a company called Creative Circle, which at the time was a startup built to compete with this agent or this company that I was working for. And they're motto was that they only hired people like me that had spent time in the industry that could actually relate to a client, be it a managing director of a small agency or a producer or someone calling to build a team somewhere. Um, and it worked really well, but as they scaled from, you know, a $50 million business to a $600 million business, um, found it really hard to staff it with those types of people over time. But, um, you know, in the beginning it was really great and it grew overnight and that, led to me being successful in the Philly market and then ultimately saying, you know, where else do you want to go? And I ended up, let me ask it. you a question. When, when you got recruited or joined creative circle, were you on their creative side or on their internal? Recruitment I side? was brought in as a lead recruiter for their Philly office, which was relatively okay. new. Um, there was literally four people in a room at the time. It was very startup vibes. You know, it was like two people on one side of a small wall, two people on the other, all sitting at the same kind of desk, looking out a window in a tiny little space, you know? Um, so, you know, regarding creative circle, like at that time it was a startup, you know, very startupy and I was brought in to kind of bring some recruitment muscle to what was a pretty strong sales team and spent about a year and a half, almost two years there. And ultimately 
was asked to go to a bigger market and I'd always wanted to get back to LA and that was kind of how they brought me out here. And, you know, that led one thing led to another with them and I spent a little over five years with them and kind of just outgrew that environment and wanted to have a connection to the people that I was recruiting and, and the company and the culture and things that I just hadn't had in a long time. I was missing that kind of creative collaboration on a regular basis. And so I started looking around and I interviewed at studios and design firms and production companies and kind of everything in between. And, you know, 2013, I think it was the time 72 and sunny happened to land in my inbox. It was an agency that at the time was skyrocketing towards, you know, greatness and, it was just a very serendipitous life moment. You know, it was something where I was in this kind of more salesy staffing model and wanting more, but making incredible amounts of money for my age and, but wanting more and first realization in life that money isn't everything, you know, and 72 mm-hmm. and Sunny offered me six figures less than I was making. My wife at the now, my now wife was my girlfriend at the time and definitely knew there was a ring in the house somewhere. Uh, (laughs) But I assured her that this was a very strategic roll of the dice. And, you know, I spent a few years with them and it completely changed the course of my career. And, you know, I ended up in talent. I think as I look back and how I ended up on the talent side of things is I'm just a naturally curious person that, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately loves the business of creativity and that can be everything from music to fine art to commercial advertising to design uh and everything from you know abstract poster design to high-end brand design um and it's something that just that and the ability to connect with people and loving to kind of just meet new creative people and get to the core of what makes them tick i think made me a great creative or recruiter within the creative space. And, you know, I credit 72 and Sunny and the leadership at the time. I had a really great chief talent officer that really imparted some wise knowledge and the way that John Boiler, one of the founders of 72, thought about building creative teams and his mindset around structuring a team that would then go on and do great things really, really resonated with me. And I literally have an old deck that I built just from the knowledge that I was picking up while I was there that I still reference to this day. Like even when we're rebranding and building outside lines the way it was today, I'm referring back to this deck to see if there's a nugget that I can use as a platform for power. So wait, so, so you'd be going through your work and John would drop some knowledge on you and be like, oh, I got to put that in this deck. I would literally like, just that was your screenshot in the library. Yes, and I then love I would that. put it in a deck later on. And yeah. it's something that I've kind of always done, just kind of kept a running journal. journal of of things that I've learned. And I think I encourage talent to this day, and this is going to be a little off topic, but I think it's good for the industry is like, I encourage talent, no matter what level of their career is, they could be the most junior person stepping straight out of school, or the most senior person looking for their next partners to work with. But I've always taken jobs for people that had skill sets or traits that I didn't have that I wanted that I saw when I met them that I thought, oh my goodness, I really admire that trait in that person and I want to spend some time with him and learn it and gather that from my own toolkit. And I think that's what that rolling deck is for me is that. And I think, you know, so long story short, 72 was growing. I had gone from leading a team at Creative Circle to being just the recruiter at 72, which was great because it gave me an open platform to explore and to make mistakes and to learn something in a different space. 
but ultimately I wanted to get back to leading and to being part of a leadership group that was building something. And at the time, mother in the United States was completely changing. The leadership had changed over. They had a new CEO that had just come in and had a vision for how to, you know, reinvent mother in a modern, you know, a a new format, you know, um, and to grow the business. And uh, it was an interesting conversation, but long story short, I was given a seat at the table and, you know, kind of said, can you bring some of that vision that, you know, was part John Boiler and part this person and part that person and part this person that had been kind of formulated over time and use it to help us reshape what this brand looks like, you know, and ultimately hopefully reshape the work. Right. And yeah. that's what our business is all about. Every decision should be made towards doesn't make the work better, no right. matter what, whether you're in, you know, performance marketing or, you know, large scale storytelling, you know, everything should be, you know, geared towards that. So long story short, that happened. Um, it's been a couple of years in New York. Ultimately, I think for my family, I needed to get back to LA. Um, was welcomed with open arms at the fo- with the folks at Mal uh, here in LA, and that gave me a you know a different platform. It was very global. It was very um, you know it was the opportunity to kind of start to use this platform that is Mal to start meeting unique creative leaders from all shapes of and walks of life all over the world, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately led to starting my own kind of agency and, and talent focused agency within the space. Awesome. So, so outside lines is what you pulled through your career and how you service other, uh, agencies. Were you able to bring some of those agencies along 72 or mother as clients or did you have to start building uh, from scratch? No, actually, uh, mother was a founding client. Um, still very close to them and, and the businesses that they have built ever since, since then. Um, and it's not necessarily a connection to the clients themselves. It's a connection to the people. And I think yeah. I am still to this day doing business with people that I've crossed paths with within my career. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Outside Lines has grown in its three and a half, a little over three and a half years of existence um, through those relationships. You know, many of the catalysts of the business were former bosses that or people that I'd met throughout the industry, whether it's people that I'd worked with or people that, you know, had crossed paths with that we wanted to work with, work together, kind of realized, oh my gosh, he's a free agent now. We can totally work with him. And in the beginning, it was just me. Now I built a small, but really mighty team. But at the time it was just me kind of, and it just happened to be the same time that COVID hit, which was a very kind of tumultuous time for everyone in the industry. And I think- was a very good time to get the word out about what I was doing because there was both these conversations with, you know, leaders, you know, and to go back a little bit, when I decided to do this, like any good person from the industry does, I built a deck of what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, what was going to separate me from it. And the most important one for my wife was who the heck is going to buy it, you know, at the end of the day. And I presented her this deck. I think it was few weeks before Christmas of 2019 and said, I'm going to do this, you know, and a wonderful, strong woman she is. She looked at me and said, cool, I'll give you one year. If it's working great, if not, you'll get a real job again. And (laughs) so, you know, uh, 
I said thank you for the vote of confidence and got to work. And, and here know, we are three years later, and you don't have a real job, so that's I a still good sign. Have a real job, thank God. Um, yeah, good for you. But uh, you know, it was and then COVID hit, and you know, I worked with a really good friend and, and his design team, and they you know built the brand from scratch, and we launched it during COVID. And you know, it turned out to be such a warm time. You know, people were losing their jobs right and left. People were stuck in jobs that were burning them to the ground, but they were scared about what would happen next if they left it. Um, yep. It was a very interesting time. And we, you know, I put myself out there as, you know, confidant and a, and a shoulder and, you know, strategic help. And yep. ultimately, you know, we had enough business through the people that were, that we'd already known that, kept us afloat during COVID, but then towards the end of August, you know, in 2020, you started to see that uptick that was just two years long, that just turned into the great resignation. It turned into one of the absolute craziest times I've ever seen in the talent side of this industry, period. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we got to benefit from growth there, but we also built some really, really strong client relationships just with a very kind of direct, very candid approach to how we go about our work. You know, I think yeah. for, for our clients, the clients in our business, like time is everything, you know, and, but the recruiting spaces, it's cluttered, it's crowded with recruiters all claiming to get it. You know, many of them have, without even ever stepping foot in an agency or a design studio to ever solve a problem, you know? And yeah. I think that's where we, at outside lines seek to shift things, you know, uh, you know, the business of our clients are constantly shifting. You know, we are a recruitment agency that focuses on trying to work outside of the traditional contract context to help businesses transform. And I think, you know, we approach our role as an outside partner in a very candid and a very direct way, you know, and I think that yeah, I think you have to. That's, yeah. yeah, and it represents that's the vital partner. But that's the partnership that I think agencies need as opposed to just, oh, you want a senior producer? Sure, I'll find you one. Oh, maybe yeah. you don't need a senior producer. Let's look at what you're I don't know if you're looking at pipeline. I don't know if you're looking at, you know, yep. you know, your look aheads, things like that. But your usability, like, why don't you tax this person who's only at 40% usability or, you know, whatever, you know, Absolutely. strategically like that. I think that's quite a partnership. That's part of the strategy side of it. And I think we have chosen to remain smaller because we like to work with clients that really do let us get a peek under the hood and really yeah. are willing to give that information over. We are not, there are plenty of places that you can go out there where you can hand them a job description and a budget and say, that's what I want, go get it for me. But we don't do that. We talk to stakeholders. Like if, you know, our if our contact is the president of the agency or the CCO of the agency, great. You're calling to tell us that you want this and we're dealing with your, you know, internal HR department, but I want to know who the hiring manager is or right. who this partner, person's partner is. And we want to get to know those people and understand what their day-to-day -day is like, because the clients that we work with, very, we're very lucky to have some really amazing high-end clients in all shapes and sizes and they're oftentimes looking for the best and the best tend to be quite happy where they are well mm -hmm. compensated where they are and not necessarily turning their heads you know and 
we as an outside partner need to have all of the information possible so that we can, when we find these people, yeah. actually paint them a picture, not just of the job, but them in the job, being successful in the job and understanding what that is. And that's, that's where our very kind of direct, candid, open, you know, listening mentality kind of comes in. But to your point, we will also kind of be candid when you, when we have clients that, you know, are wanting more with a lot less, or to your point, feel like they need a lot more than they may actually need at the end of the day. And I think what we, what I realized when we started our, finished our first project, building an in-house creative team that we spent nice. probably like 80% of the budget that was handed to us. And at the end of the day, we're, we, I was astounded that we were able to do it for that. But at the end of the day, sometimes you don't need to spend everything you have. Yep. You can actually find and build a really great team that can get X, Y, and Z done for less than you think, less than we yeah. even thought at the end of the day. Can you, so I know you, you, you've got your kind of finger on the pulse of what the market looks like, what the, you know, I mean, layoffs out the wazoo in the tech world today, DEI is I think a stronger push than ever, whether it's lip service from big agencies or not. What do you see, you know, and I don't typically timestamp these recordings, but it's May 1st, 2023. Yeah. What are you seeing in the marketplace? Not in general, as far as like, um, salaries are through the roof or people are scrambling and they're offering crazy, you know, incentives like a four day work week or whatever. Um, but like, what are you seeing from like a DEI, even female leadership, minority leadership recruitment standpoint? Sure. Um, I mean, we saw a massive push for DEI that came in, you know, both brand and agency side after the mm -hmm. black lives matter movement. And it yep. was this, promise and this commitment to change the face of the workforce, which I'm not going to deny. I think that there was a bit of lip service, but I think I and many of my peers felt saw and both saw and felt more stringent efforts being put into place than we had ever seen before. Um, Even though I, you thought it was lip service, you felt like there was actual I would say that there, there was a feeling of lip service, but at the same yeah. time, you still felt the initiatives being put in place. We have, we, we tend to make sure that when we present a batch of candidates, whether asked or not, that they are diverse, there are women and, and, you know, people of color always represented when we can, right? Yeah. Which is at this point, probably 85 to 90% of the time we're able to do to, to present a diverse group of candidates. But I think what ended up happening is there was a scramble for diverse leadership. And at the time, there just wasn't that many diverse leaders in the industry because for decades they'd never been given the upward mobility of it. Sure. You know, one of our board members is a, a really amazing woman named Shannon Washington, who have you know is right now is the CCO of RGA in the U.S. And you know they did a short film, which was a sit down. I can't remember if it was in 2022 or 2021, which was literally with like there are seven. African-American ECD CCOs in the entire industry across the United States. And they sat down and had a conversation about it, you know, wow. and I think you see that across brands and agencies, but I think the positive of it is this, and it is something I've been saying for the longest time, because there can only be so many people that have stuck it out in this industry at the leadership level and fought through everything and not, totally left the industry and gone and done something else midway through their career. Mm -hmm. 
But I would say that the bottom third of our industry is more diverse than it has ever been in the almost 20 years that I've been in it. And I think yeah. I credit that to the initiatives that have been put in place by both brands and agencies to try to hire young, diverse talent and not just hire them, but try to keep them in the industry. There's and places groom them. Like, yeah, and groom them, you know, and there's places like Wyden and Kennedy and what, you know, they're doing with Bodega and what they're doing, which is like allowing the creator culture to touch big brands like McDonald's and not just touch it, but they're influencing it in a modern way. And like, you know, John Petty over there, JP is like in a, reinventing the way that advertising and brands communicate to culture. You know, yeah. and I think, some of the work that they've done across a variety of brands, but McDonald's is sticking out and some of the kind of like adult meals that they've created and the brand collaborations that show up authentically in the world. You know, I think that is an, that is a direct correlation to, we said it earlier, but every decision we make should make the work better. That is a direct correlation to bringing diverse thinking into the room, allowing them to have a voice and seeing it in the end product at the end of the day. Yeah. That yeah, because when you say better, better means is it communicating with more people? Is it communicating with the right people with the right language? Like better doesn't just mean prettier and winning cans awards. It means like who is it talking to and how are we helping elevate whatever that cause is? If it's a cheeseburger or if it's, you know, eliminating yeah. cancer or whatever the heck the thing is, that's what better really means. And so, yeah, if they're able to bring in that junior talent that brings in a, a greater scope of perspective, do better work, speak to more people. Yeah, I fully love that, man. Yeah. And yeah. I think those those diverse minds that are learning creativity, both in your traditional strategic, you know, rigorous mentality of building brands, but also with the modern brands living culture, we make something that goes out to the world that lasts for X amount of time. We move on and make the next thing kind of yeah. melding those cultures are going to be the future leaders of the industry. And I you know, if we can keep this current crop of juniors and mids that are across all disciplines in the industry with us for the next five to 10 years, we will see a much more diverse leadership class in this in the industry. But if we can, well, it's going to remain the same. Well, if you think about it, and I love that, the, the kind of idea of that, but if you think about, they may have the right formula because there's a push on bringing on a diverse junior mid-level group that can be brought up through the ranks to become the leaders. There's a push on monitoring and maintaining and supporting mental health uh, within the creative space. And so maybe that helps eliminate burnout. Maybe that helps eliminate the derogatory treatment towards junior talent, things like that. And so they can survive the, I don't know what you want to call it, the beaches of Normandy in the early stages of creative <laughs> space. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible analogy. But, you know, if they can, listen, junior talent, days of junior talent is just, treacherous so if they can survive it through the support that's being put in through teams like yours yeah there's there's an awesome future ahead for them uh i want to switch gears real quick um and just throw a couple rapid fire questions at you before we yeah. run out of time so um what's a a book or a podcast or a show or something that you know you just can't get enough of these days oh man I mean, I'm about three or four episodes into beef and I'm like, this is fresh and new and <laughs> different. Uh, you know, I think I, I'm just about done with a book by a guy named Peter Sims called Little Bets. And it's about, you know, entrepreneurs 
business leaders, humans in general, kind of taking little bets to build onto big futures. And I feel, you know, it's something whether you are someone like me who is an entrepreneur trying to, you know, innovate in your space and constantly find new ways to kind of change the game, or if you're, you know, just someone living their lives and trying to kind of continue to grow as a human, I think it's a really good book to kind of just help understand that, you know, everything you do doesn't have to be this giant overcalculated thing. You know, when you're a, you're a kid in high school, you don't have to be like, I'm going to be Elon Musk. You can say, you know, I want to be the guy that starts a, you know, a local coffee shop and that's your first entrepreneurial experience. Yeah. And that could lead to being the next Elon Musk or, you know, the next Howard Schultz, I think is the Starbucks guy's name. Uh, yeah. you know, but it's just, that's something that I think, you know, I probably, I literally finished two days ago and you know, it's, it's still in the back of my mind is a really good. Cool. Name. I'll have to check that out. Um, well, professionally or personally, what's a tool that you've recently integrated into like your daily flow or your lifestyle that is now an indispensable thing? Wow, that's a really tough one. I think the notes app on my phone is something that can never <laughs> be, I can never let go of it. Uh, and I yeah. know it's not something that's super modern or new. Um, I think that the one that Apple just released a couple weeks ago, Freeform, is yeah. something that I like. It's like a new, It's I've been playing around with it. It's not, it hasn't replaced notes for me, but I can totally see it as a visual person to be able to write something down and circle it in a more kind of interactive way yeah. um, will probably be in that next phase of my life. But frankly, it's the notes app that keeps me going. That yeah. and maybe um, Siri and uh, setting reminders on my phone for the littlest things from Bill to don't forget to pack socks to whatever it may be. Uh, it is the, the ability to press a button and speak to my phone and it pop up when I need it to pop up. It's genius. Love that. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, what is an invaluable piece of business advice that you can uh, leave to all of our listeners? Don't wait. Start today. Boom. Love it. Awesome. Owen, I am excited for, we didn't get to dig into the rebrand rebrand of Outside Lines, but uh, excited for what you guys have relaunched recently. Uh, grateful for your time, so thank you very much. Absolutely, Steve. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.